My name is Anthony P. Richards. I'm a pastor and I started this podcast channel to equip, encourage, inspire and challenge you to passionately live to your potential in Christ through the Word of God. For more information, you can go to my YouTube channel, Anthony P. Richards. Welcome to another day as we continue our journey through the Gospel of Matthew, Book of Matthew, first book of the New Testament. And we are starting today at Matthew chapter 15, and we're going to be looking at verses 1 to 20 today. This is where Jesus starts to correct some of the uh, religious leaders, the Pharisees, and he starts to minister to Gentiles. Uh, This is where his ministry to the Gentiles really starts here. And this is an important part of Jesus' continuing ministry. He has, in the previous chapter, heard about John the Baptist, feeds the 5,000, then walks on the water. Peter walks on the water. The disciples say, wow, you're amazing. Truly, you are the Son of God. And then after that, they cross to the other side. Jesus then heals people who just want to touch the hem of his garment. And then we get to the beginning of verse 15, chapter 15, verse 1. Then the scribes and the Pharisees who were from Jerusalem came to Jesus, saying, Why do your disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat bread. Up to this point, most of Jesus' teaching and ministry have been in the region of Galilee. Where's Galilee? Galilee is north of Judea. It's north of Jerusalem, which is where um, Jerusalem's in Judea. And these scribes and these Pharisees were basically an official delegation, if you like, from from Jerusalem. They come to investigate Jesus and all these works that he's doing. Uh, it was probably it's only about an hour by car, but I guess it probably was at least a day or two's walk, uh, or maybe you know a bit, a bit short on a donkey. I'm not sure. Uh, but they get there and they're, they're very determined to 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 quiz Jesus and to investigate him. And they come straight out. Why do your disciples transgress the the tradition of the elders? Is what they say. The tradition of the elders. They didn't say traditions of the Bible. They said of the elders. Uh, What the elders prescribed was a tradition according to them. had nothing to do with the original law, the actual scripture of the Old Testament. They said as much when they referred to the tradition of elders. They didn't say, "Why why do your disciples transgress the commandments of God? No, they were more interested in the traditions of the elders. And, he, and they said, they don't wash their hands when they eat. Now, the matter in question actually had nothing to do with hygiene. Nothing. The religious officials were offended that the disciples did not observe the extensive rituals by washing before meals. Uh, some rabbis at the time taught that it was just as equal a sin to eat with unwashed hands as it was to sleep with a prostitute. Yep, that's how badly they saw it. Verse 3. Jesus answered and said to them, Why do you also transgress the commandment of God because of your tradition? Jesus like, back at you. Um, When the disciples were accused of sin, Jesus then accuses uh, the the accusers. Jesus was very strong in his reply because these leaders were far too concerned with ceremonial rituals that were not in the word of God. When they declared people unclean because of their tradition – they denied people access to God. They said, you can't come in the temple. You can't worship. Guzik said this. This was a strong reply from Jesus. Ultimately, these conflicts with the religious leaders became the outward reason why Jesus was delivered to the Romans for death eventually. 
Because of your tradition, Jesus repeated what the scribes and the Pharisees had already mentioned. He reminded them of their source, tradition. It was an accusation based on tradition. The religious leaders demanded that these ceremonial washings take place based on tradition. Nothing to do with the scripture. Nothing to do with the word of God whatsoever. Verse 4, Jesus still speaking. For God commanded, saying, on it, so he's, remember, he's now accusing the, the, these religious leaders. They've accused him. He's coming back at them. God has commanded, forget about your traditions, Jesus says. How about let's, let's have a think about what God commands. God has commanded saying, and he quotes from the Old Testament, Exodus and Deuteronomy, two, uh, three different passages. Honor your father and mother. He who curses father and mother, let him be put to death. But you say, whoever says to his father or mother, whatever profit you might have received from me is a gift to God. Then he need not honour his father or mother. Thus you have made the commandment of God of no effect by your tradition. So Jesus comes straight at them because the clear command of God is that everyone should give honour to their mother and their father, even stating a penalty for extreme disobedience to this command. So when we are adults, we're no longer in our parents' household. We're no longer under their authority. We no longer have to obey our mother and father, but we still have to honour them. That's a command. That command doesn't stop. And so then he goes on and says, but you've you've actually taken this command uh, that was in the Bible and you've created a tradition and a ritual that has nothing to do with the Bible. Whatever profit you might have received from me is a gift to God. So jump some Jewish people of Jesus' day had a way to get around not honouring their mother and father. They, de- If they declared that all their possessions and all their savings were a gift to God, how, how spiritual, uh, that those things were especially dedicated to God, then they could say that their resources were unavailable to help their parents. In other words, hey, listen, sorry, everything I've got, it's just a gift to God, so I'm sorry, Mum and Dad, can't honour you. RT France, this convenient declaration apparently left the property actually still at the disposal of the person who made the promise, but deprived his parents of any right to it. So Jesus catches them out of how they have they have twisted and come up with a ritual to get out of the actual original intent of the word of God. And he says, thus you have made the commandment of God of no effect by your tradition. You created a tradition that makes what God says of no effect. And you're doing it all under the guise of being ultra-religious. Well, everything I have is just a gift to God. Yeah, still happens today. People like, you know, the, the super spiritual people. Not helping anybody. Okay, verse 7. Hypocrites, Jesus says, Well did Isaiah prophesy about you, saying, These people draw near to me with their mouth, they honour me with their lips, but their heart is far from me, and in vain they worship me. In vain. Teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. Jesus says, You teach them as if they're scripture. They're just your commandments. They're not from my heavenly father. Aren't you honour me with your lips, but your heart is a long way from me. That's very true of the religious leaders that Jesus was actually confronting. And he conf- he quotes from the prophet Isaiah. They had nothing to quote from. They couldn't quote from the Bible because it was their own traditions. 
But that's also true of us. We can appear to draw near to God, all the while having our heart very far from Him. And it's easy to want and to be impressed by the image of being near to God without actually really doing it in our heart. David Guzik, God is interested in the internal and the real. We are far more interested in the merely external and the image to others. One must take care that their relationship with God is not merely external and all about image. You can fall into that trap so easily. And I'm sure many people here, and you may be convicted right now, listen, just let your conviction point whatever areas of life you've got to get right, get them right right now, move on and do what God's called you to do. So Jesus says, listen, you're teaching your traditions as if they are commandments from God, but they're actually commandments of men. Now, this is a quotation from Isaiah. Isaiah prophesied this hundreds of years before Jesus, that this is what would happen. And Isaiah accurately described the real problem with these religious leaders because they had elevated man's traditions, not just to an equality with God's word, but above it. Now, Jesus didn't say all traditions are bad. He he didn't say all traditions are good. (laughs) He just compared traditions to the word of God and said, no, traditions should always be put at a lower and much lower priority to what God has actually said. Verse 10. When he had called the multitude to himself, he said to them, hear and understand. Now, can you imagine Jesus saying that? Hear and understand. Your ears should prick up when you hear that. Not what goes into the mouth defiles a man, but what comes out of the mouth, this defiles a man. He's dealt with the religious leaders. he's, He's basically done away with them. They've come, accused him. He's accused them back. They've got nothing to say. Now he turns around and he looks at the multitudes, the common people, the people who had an authentic godliness about them. And he says something that's quite fundamental. Eating with unclean hands. These people have tried to accuse us of eating with unclean hands. Let me tell you that it doesn't matter whether your hands are clean because what goes into you is not what's going to poison you. It's not going to defile you. It's rather what comes out of us that defiles us and reveals whether we have unclean hearts. Now, it's not to say that there are not defiling things that we can take into ourselves. You know, I mean, obviously there are a lot of things we can consume that go in that can defile us. For example, uh, pornographic images and things that we shouldn't be looking at. But in this specific context, Jesus spoke about ceremonial cleanliness in regard to food. And he anticipated that under the new covenant, all food was going to be declared as able to be eaten. Acts chapter 10. Doesn't matter anymore. Eat whatever you want. RT France, the principles that are set out by Jesus' words in this chapter made the ultimate abandonment of the Old Testament food laws by the church inevitable. Church era being what started in the book of Acts. Okay, let's move on. Verse 12. Then Jesus' disciples came, his disciples came and said to him, do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this saying? (laughs) Can you imagine they're just whispering, do you know they were offended? They got like really offended. But he answered and said, every plant which my heavenly father has not planted will be uprooted. So let them alone. 
They are blind leaders of the blind, and if the blind leads the blind, then both will fall into a ditch. It's actually quite a humorous scene, I think, because the disciples come to Jesus. Um, he, they, 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 maybe they picked up on, I don't think he realizes he offended them. Maybe we should point it out to him that like he kind of offended them. Of course, Jesus knew he offended them. He's not stupid. He intended to offend them. He, he wanted to uh, offend them back in their face that they valued the traditions of man more than what the word of God actually said. And so he says, every plant which my father has not planted will be uprooted. It applies directly to the religious leaders. Everybody like them. Their commandment, the commandments of men will not last because they are not rooted in God and they're not rooted in truth. Spurgeon said, there was no need for the disciples to combat the Pharisees. They'd be uprooted in the natural order of things by the inevitable consequences of their own course. Yet, this principle should make us examine to see if we imitate the Pharisees. Are we like them when we make traditions commandments that we're not meant to? G. Campbell Morgan, here then we find the test of all human teaching, however well-intentioned. If it be not based upon and rooted in the word of God, or if it depart in any degree from the true intention of the word of God, it is without pity and to be rooted up. By this test, we need ever to try our traditions, customs, habits, rules, and regulations. That's the test. Grounded in the word of God, keep it. Not grounded in the word of God, flush it down the toilet of experiences and things that we hold on to. Let them alone, Jesus said. Listen, I've offended them. They're not going to get it. They're, they're the blind. He wasn't trying to be anti-scribe or anti-Pharisee. He knew that their efforts would fa- they'd fail under the weight of their own legalism. It was too much for them to bear. That's why he said they're the blind leading the blind. Jesus said this, I think maybe with sadness. Because you know, remember, Jesus is always moved by compassion. And I'm sure he, he's thinking about them falling into a ditch by themselves. He's trying to explain to them. They're not getting it. They're offended. And I think there was a level of sadness. But I actually think what, you know, I don't know, it's hard for me not to think that the people that he was really sad for were the blind who were being led by the blind. In other words, the people who were being led by these blind religious leaders. I think Jesus kind of felt compassion for them. D.A. Carson, though the Pharisees and the teachers of the law had scrolls and interpreted them in the synagogues, does not mean that they actually understood them. The Pharisees did not follow Jesus, so they did not understand and follow the scriptures. Matthew Poole, I pity the poor people, for whilst the blind lead the blind, they both fall into a ditch. An ignorant and unfaithful ministry is the greatest plague that God can send amongst the people. In these words, we see the guilt of those who are the blind leaders of the blind. But we also see that there's a responsibility of those blind followers to make sure that their leaders aren't blind. So don't follow somebody that's not rooted in the word of God. Verse 15. Then Peter answered and said to him, explain this parable to us. (laughs) This is, you know, this is classic Peter. So Jesus says, are you still without understanding? 
Do you not yet understand that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach? It's eliminated. But those things which proceed out of the mouth, they come from the heart and they defile a man. For out of the heart proceeds evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man. But to eat with unwashed hands does not defile a man. In the previous verses, Jesus didn't really speak in a parable, uh, except for the brief illustration of the blind leading the blind. But because his disciples didn't understand him, they said, could you please explain this parable to us? And he's like, you don't get it, do you? You're still without understanding. These things, the things that proceed out of the mouth come from the heart, they defile a man. Jesus basically reiterates the point that he made in verse 11. We are defiled from the inside out rather than from the outside in. And that's particularly true of ceremonial things like food. And Jesus boldly said that these evil things come from our innermost nature. They're not accidents. They're not mistakes what comes out of us. They reveal how corrupt and how fallen our inner nature is. RT friends, the heart is the source of a man's true character and therefore of his purity or impurity. It is not merely the seat of emotion, but the true person as they really are, not just as they appear to others outwardly. Great quote by Charles Spurgeon. Let me read this to you. Murders begin not with the dagger, but with the malice of the soul. Adulteries and fornications are first gloated over in the heart before they are enacted by the body. The heart is the cage from whence these unclean birds fly forth. Many people worry about external habits, what they're going to eat, what they're going to drink, and other things. But they actually should care way more about what words are coming out of their mouth because they actually do more against God and his people by what they say than what they eat or what they drink. Jesus actually had to use a vulgar term in order for the disciples to understand what he was talking about. He said in verse 17, listen, whatever you put in is going to be eliminated. Uh, let, let me read a quote here from A.B. Bruce. A vulgar word, meaning eliminate, meaning going to the toilet. A vulgar word and a vulgar subject, which Jesus would gladly have avoided. But he forces himself to speak of it for the sake of his disciples. The idea is, from food, no moral defilement comes to the soul. The defilement, as there is, purely physically passing through the bowels into the place of discharge. Doubtless Jesus said this, otherwise no one would have actually put it into his mouth and ascribed it to him. But to eat with unwashed hands does not defile a man. Unfortunately, the emphasis of the religious leaders in Jesus' day and often in our own is often on the things that are external, not the internal things that make for true righteousness, which leads us to our observation today. On the road that you and I are travelling on after becoming a follower of Jesus, accepting his gift of salvation and determining to become a disciplined follower of Jesus, therefore a disciple, 
We must focus on what is inside us, how we think, because every word and every outward negative action starts with a thought. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, Paul tells us to bring every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. You have to bring every thought captive because if you don't, that's what will defile you from the inside out. See, if you bring every thought captive, so in that, what does that mean? Let me play that out for you practically. That means that you start to think about something, you realize it's not good. You're like, nope, Jesus, go submit that to Jesus. One of the things I do is I think about the name of Jesus and I submit that thought at the feet of the name of Jesus. That's just me. It's just something I do. And I think, oh, no, I shouldn't have that thought. I'm bringing it to Jesus. Sorry, I ask for forgiveness. I'm moving on, bringing it captive, not letting it produce any more fruit in my life. Then it stops defiling me. Because when I defile other people, I'm making them unclean. So now I've got a multiplied negative effect. I don't want that in my life. I, I want to make sure that my thought life is in alignment with how God wants me to think. Now, the only way you can do that is you've got to keep reading the Word of God. I know many people who are struggling with anxiety, worry, concern, and 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 they're like, you know, uh, panic attacks, all those kind of things, which I know are very real. But spend time in the Word of God and just make a conscious choice that these promises are for you, that the Word of God is from you. Don't think, no, that's not for me, because that's going to defile you. And then you will have an outward action that is not what God wants you to have. God wants you to read his word, realize that his promises are for you. He doesn't want your head to get in the road and defile it. He doesn't want you to come up with a different way of interpreting it. He just wants you to understand that he paid the price. He's done it all. You can do it. You don't have to live with that. The world's trying to do a good enough job at defiling us. Let's not help it out by defiling ourselves. Heavenly Father, I pray, Lord, that you would just help us today to just have a realignment, basically just to get our compasses back to true north of understanding who you are in our lives, understanding that you want us to run everything through what you say, not what we think. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you so much for listening. For more content, please don't forget to check out my YouTube channel, Anthony P. Richards. Have a great day.